Hello and welcome back to Complexity Unpacked with Professor G. I'm really glad to bring you this episode today because it's personal to me. I have a very special guest sitting with me today and I'm bringing you all into my living room where we have intellectual and interesting conversations over and above the everyday life I share with my wife. So I'd like to introduce everybody to Kristen who is here to talk to us today about one more topic that fits nicely into our Yes and series, a section where we talk about things that are less discussed and perspectives that are often overlooked. So welcome, Kristen. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you for having me today. So you have agreed to do uh, this podcast, and I really appreciate it. And uh, this is really a treat for my listeners because you're giving them a sneak preview ahead of the book you're going to write. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the book? Well, my book is actually an exploration into the pros and cons of adolescents using sexting as a platform for sexual curiosity and sexual development. I have a working title presently that is No Safe Space From Safe Spaces. It is a working title and it could change. Well, that's an interesting first draft if that's your first draft of a title. But uh, tell us a little bit more what motivated you to write this book in the first place? Well, what motivated me to write this book is actually a couple of things. So talking about sex in a crowded room is one thing. Talking about it with your family members, with your grandmother at Thanksgiving dinner, is something that many would find completely unacceptable. Talking about young people, the youth in your life, is absolutely different. It's quite the opposite, really. People have no problem at all talking about their children, talking about their students, if they're educators, complaining to their friends and family about their, the young people in their lives. Not a taboo subject at all. But when you combine the two and you talk about young people having sex, well, this is just so taboo, it can cause flares of temper, humiliation, judgment. And these are things that nobody wants to say out loud. Nobody wants to talk about these things out loud. And yet sexual development, biologically speaking, occurs in life. It's normal, it's healthy, and sexual development is something that is biological, psychological, and sociological. I'm not really sure how our next family dinner is going to go. I'm not sure if you're advocating for talking to Nana about sex that the children are having or not having or having in a mediated sense, but you'll unpack that more for us later. Why do you think it's still taboo in 2021? Well, if preaching abstinence worked, youth today wouldn't be having sex, but they are in some form or another. So why is this subject personally important to you? You seem very passionate about the subject. So tell us a little bit about why it's important to you to get this conversation out there. Well, maybe I'm just an oppositionally defiant individual, but after more than a decade of reading everything I possibly could, consuming academic literature, books, podcasts, videos, documentaries, you name it, 
I have to say that there's been a trend over the last 30 years, a trend towards this stifling of young people's sexuality, women's sexuality all over again is being oppressed. And all that seems to be discussed through all of this vast array of literature is the cons. There's an overemphasis on all of the cons of sexual exploration of youth today. And for me, that's a problem. So am I interpreting you right when, when you... It sounds like you're saying there's a gap in the literature and you're trying to fill a gap. Would that be a fair characterization? Yeah, that's a fair characterization. My point and purpose here is to have the rest of the conversation, if you will. Not just talk about the cons, but explore the pros as well. Because parents today need to understand that you cannot take everything away from your child and remove them from all of society and move into the mountains and have them live as though they're a recluse. So sexual development is going to occur and it's our job in society to make sure it occurs in healthy spaces. So that's an interesting point, right? And I know that I've already introduced you as my wife, so clearly these are conversations that hit close to home. Uh, but I'm going to ask the question for the benefit of my listeners. Um, you're not advocating for sexual promiscuity uh, and not trying to be an overly permissive parent, are you? Or is this really a health-related conversation that needs to occur? It's the latter. It's a health conversation that needs to occur. Listen, I'm a mother of four children of various ages, nine through 18 years old. And of course, it makes me uncomfortable to think of my children as sexual beings, as I'm sure it does your listeners and anybody else that might pick up my book at some point and read it. But regardless of our discomfort, it is factually accurate that sexual development is something that occurs across all of humanity, across all of the globe. It transcends culture, it transcends religion, it transcends geography. It doesn't matter where you are or what you believe in. Sexual development occurs to human beings. Well, since we're giving everybody such an intimate glance at conversations that we're willing to have in this household, we are an interracial couple that have to deal with the added layer of having different cultural backgrounds. How do we deal with the cultural nuance of such a topic? Well, this book is written primarily for a North American audience, given we are one of the most stifling cultures when it comes to sex and sexuality, yet we parade around under the guise of liberal ideologies, and we do that falsely. So regardless of what your culture is, what your religious background is, where you grew up, and what your family structure was like, I believe this book opens the door to conversations on both sides of the argument, both for and against, pros and cons, and you can add your own cultural lens to it. All right, so let's dive into it then. Let's start unpacking this a little bit. Tell us a little bit about the structure of your book. What are the central points? Well, my book will be written in three parts. So to not give the whole book away, to give people a reason to still want to go out and get the book, I'll quickly summarize the three parts and not dive too deep at this point. In the first part, there's going to be a discussion on the history of stigmatization of women's bodies, which is well documented in the literature. The women's movements over the last hundred years in the sexual revolution led women in the direction towards self-acceptance of their sexual selves. But the stigma in society of women's bodies and women's sex never truly left. 
There's a difference even today between how society reacts when men do something sexual versus a woman. It's even in the headlines you read in the newspaper, woman raped versus man raped woman. A man who is sexual is deemed masculine with prowess versus a woman who is often deemed slutty. And somewhere along this revolution, feminism seemed to have taken an odd turn. And liberals who once touted the rights of women and equality in sex have now hyper-victimized women, to the point where we really aren't even solely responsible for choosing when we want to consent to sex and being able to own that decision without being told it's patriarchy that makes us think we're consenting. Fair enough. Well, I don't want to give away too much, but I know you have two more points to, uh, to bring up. So how about before I ask another question, you go on and tell us about the second and third section of the book. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. So the second part is going to look at young people and the problems they're having that have been exacerbated over the last 10 years. Over the last 10 years with movements such as hashtag me too, which initially did have my complete and total support. I believe women should have a voice and I do believe that women who have truly been victimized should have the ability and the safe space to stand up and point out their offenders in society and those individuals should be held to justice. Unfortunately, with the way things have turned out, not only have we done that, we've taken it further and we've completely changed our dating and sex scripts over this last decade. And through that, we now have an overarching theme of all men being predators and all women being victims of men. And the onus is now solely on the man to make sure a woman is not victimized. Youth navigating this in person is scary and beyond challenging, let alone for men in general. The third part of my book looks at the changing times, the changing times sexually, the changing times from a feminist perspective, but also how technology has changed our social lives. The academic consensus on child development speaks to how socialization now occurs equally or more so through technological platforms than face-to-face -face for a majority of youth in North America. I'd like you to name 10 teens or tweens you know that don't have the latest smartphone, a Samsung or an iPhone. And these kids aren't using Facebook or MySpace anymore. They're on all these other communication apps that parents can't even keep up with. So when you think about how much socializing they do online, it's natural to think that their sexual conversations and exploits have moved online as well. And in that final section, we're going to discuss the pros and cons of sexting and technological platforms for that and all of the social stigmas. And we will unpack the entire subject. Well, that sounds really interesting and I can't wait to get to the rest of them. But I would be remiss to not ask this next question, so I'm going to put it out there. Um, so this is not just a women's issue, right? Jackson Katz famously said that relegating issues to the women's only domain actually gives men and boys a pass. So why is this chat, and, and more specifically your book, relevant to men and boys as well? That's an excellent question and one that I'm so glad you asked. So. To be clear, before I talk about boys, I need to point out that I'm not an anti-feminist. I understand that initially, when sexting first came to light in the media, there was a huge backlash given the suicides of some young ladies after their photos were distributed against their consent, and that truly is a horrible thing in my opinion. 
The response was twofold in Canada, revenge porn laws and some revamping of consent to sexual activity legislation. And then there was a plethora of talks and classes on arming ladies with knowledge, which let's face it, was villainizing sexting and men and telling girls not to send photos and to keep their bodies covered up. But where was the conversation with boys on how to respect a young lady in this new online sexual arena where they're exploring their sexual curiosity alongside the ladies? This should be an extension of the conversation on respecting your partner, regardless of gender, whether sex is in person or online or wherever. Where were the women's rights people empowering young ladies to think critically about their choices and if they took the option to sext, own your body with pride because there's no guarantee your images will forever be private once you send them and you'll no longer own them or control them. Instead of solely villainizing young men or all men, we need to focus on empowering women. And why is that critical to men? So why is understanding women's empowerment a critical issue in male development? If our focus is always on hyper-victimizing women, then we're, at the same time, completely villainizing men. And this completely fractures the relationship between the genders. No racial movement can move forward without the opposing race supporting them as allies. No women's movement can move forward without men as our allies. So if we completely villainize men, then they're not going to support us in the future. And that relationship is crucial for humanity. Well, we're the parents of three boys and one girl. How much of this impacts the way the boys will view their dating scripts moving forward? And I, I fully understand the concept of empowerment and positive body image and all of that. But I think this must be a challenging time to be a young man, I think. It absolutely is. And as a mother, I feel for both my daughter and all of my sons. The world has changed and they need to evolve with it. And I need to evolve my parenting for them, as I think do we all so for the boys in my household i talk about respecting their partners whether they're male partners female partners in every single social and sexual arena that they're in it is no different online than it is in person so we've agreed to do this over four episodes give my listeners a good reason to stay engaged and wait till the last episode Okay, well by the time we get to the end of the last episode, you'll understand why I have chosen to write this book. You'll be able to think and discuss all of the pros and cons about psycho-socio-sexual development of young people in physical spaces and also in online spaces you'll be able to make as a future parent or a current day parent educated decisions and an educated plan for how you'll deal with your kids when it comes to their sexual development. And as part of this conversation, things along the lines of how we navigate the complexity of things that have always been around, pornography, the consumption of pornography and the images that causes that something we can expect to talk about and how that relates to this whole conversation of sexting. 
Um, yes. So there is a portion of my book, a couple chapters dedicated to pornography. Um, in the first part of my book, we'll be discussing the history of pornography, the evolution of pornography. And in the final section of my book, I'm going to bring it around to today's youth. And one example that I use in my book is my middle child, my 15-year-old son, who once came to me to discuss his sexual curiosity. And with red cheeks, I discussed his options with him. And when he told me that he'd looked up images online, it occurred to me that my young teenager was accessing sites like Pornhub, where there are arguably ladies that are far more mature for him. And I don't want that to be where he sets his bar on who he should be having sexual curiosities about, grown women my age. And alternatively, that's not the kind of sex that I want him to think is healthy and I want him to have in his future. It's not the way I want him to treat his partners. So when I thought about it, I really couldn't direct him to try to look for women his own age because then that would be child pornography. So it's a delicate conversation that you have to have with young people today when they want to explore their curiosities online. And sexting is an avenue where they can do it with a person of their choosing that is their own age in a safe space consensually and remove a lot of risks. Well, I remember those conversations and they were challenging and they required a three hour debrief after. So hopefully this is helpful to everyone listening and maybe us being willing to share some of those challenges uh, will both inform the book and uh, perhaps help some of the people listening to know that they're not alone out there. So I'm going to end this session because I know we have a lot to unpack, but we're going to do that in an organized manner over the next three episodes. On a more personal level, I know you have always supported my endeavors and you've always been very supportive of my teaching career and my creative outlets that I try to you know, constantly engage with. But why did you choose and agree to do this podcast to speak about your book ahead of its release? That's not normal. Most people don't like to give it away. But you were willing to come on and share with my students and my listeners a little bit about something you're very passionate about but haven't put out on the shelves yet. So why? Well, I think it's an important conversation and writing a book takes a very long time and it's a conversation worth having as soon as possible. And even if you weren't my husband, the very fact that you've called your podcast Complexity Unpacked and what you're trying to do with it appeals to me greatly. This is a complex subject that takes a while to unpack. It takes open minds listening to have this conversation. And particularly your Yes And series truly appeals to me and fits with my book because as a parent as a member of society as an individual in north america i too can see all the cons surrounding young people and sex and sexting sexuality period so when i look at those cons i myself given all of the literature that i've consumed all the knowledge i've gained and all the perspectives i've heard can say yes i see those cons and there is more to talk about here. Well, I don't think I can top that or have anything more to add. So stay tuned. I think this will be an interesting series and I look forward to bringing you the rest of our conversation. Thank you for listening and as always, I appreciate your support.